I'm going to be looking this morning at a season in the history of Israel when the word of God is rare. For quite some time now, I've been seeing a very vivid picture of a push bike caught um, by some bushes. And there are a team of people just trying to clear away the rubbish to get to the push bike and find out what was going on. And as the day was progressing, people were moving out buckets full of rubbish from this site. And someone suddenly found a hole. And as they turned round, they saw an old wishing well, which was falling apart and breaking up. And someone went, wow, did you know there's a well here? It's not just a bush which grows bicycles. And I think that actually, as a church, God wants to open up a disused well among us. That we can go through seasons as a church where we hear God speak to us quite frequently and quite powerfully. And yet equally, we seem to go through times when God's not really around as much as he used to be. So what I want us to do is just look at this passage and and ask God to help us to undig that well, to unblock a well of prophecy among us as a church. Because I believe that God wants to pour out a gift of prophecy on us as a church, that he doesn't just want an occasional prophetic word from the same people. He wants us, as a community of believers, to be hearing his voice, sharing that among us, and actually taking it out of those doors to the farmer's market, taking it into our workplaces, taking it into our neighbourhoods and beyond. We need to look at how God has raised up a prophetic people in the past. And I don't know about you, but from my experience, it's often easier to look at a life of a person than it is to look at a principle. I want to spend some time this morning highlighting three key points from the life of Samuel. We need to remember the background to this passage. Samuel's mum was Hannah. She was a lady who was barren. And in her desperation to have children, she cried before God. Sometime later, God broke in and miraculously, she had a child. And she gave birth to Samuel. Yet as she was praying, she prayed something which must be so difficult as a parent. She prayed that she would give God that child and just give the child back to God. So Samuel grew up in the temple. She kept hold of him until he was about three or, between three and five. The Bible says it is when he was weaned. And then she took him up and presented him to the high priest. And so we're going to pick the story up in chapter three. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, came down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. 
Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at all the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. I remember being a small child, aged probably about seven or eight, hiding under a blanket in a school assembly, acting out the call of Samuel. And as I was hid under that blanket, that's probably my earliest memory of hearing God speak into my life. But it was probably another ten years before I heard God's voice again. Quite simply, there are times in our lives when the word of God is rare. And we see that, don't we, in verse 1. It says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Perhaps that's your experience as you come into church today. Maybe in the past, you've heard God speak to you. Maybe you heard him calling you by name. Maybe he spoke to you about a particular nation or a particular people group where he wants you to serve. Perhaps you used to regularly hear from God in dreams and visions. Maybe you had a bit of a reputation for being someone who hears from God and speaks out into other people's lives. And yet your recent experience is that the word of God is rare. Certainly in my own life, as I say, it was about 17, 18 when I then heard God's voice again. I was with a group of friends from Christian Union and we were praying with each other um, and I got baptised in the Spirit as the first time that I knew the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And as friends were talking and praying, as I look back now, I think, wow, actually they were quite strong prophetic words that people were speaking into my life. And as I was praying for other people, we were speaking prophetically over each other. As I look back over the years that I've been a Christian, there are periods where I have known the closeness of hearing God's voice on a regular basis. It just gives me a glimpse of what it must have been like for Adam and Eve just walking gently in the garden, spending time with God and hearing his gentle voice. And yet the vast majority of my life is when I'm in seasons when the word of God is rare. It feels as if I'm constantly leaving messages on God's answer phone as I pray. And yet God's out of town and is always too busy to get round to returning my call. So what about you? Are you in a season where the word of God is rare? If you are, there's hope for us all. Because as we look at the story of Samuel, we see that God had a strategy and God did something about it. A few weeks ago we were out for a walk as a family going through the water meadows by St. Cross. And Bethan, who is eight, was convinced that she saw an eagle. As she looked across, she was pointing, look, there it is, it's an eagle. And we tried to convince her that actually it's probably more likely to be a buzzard, probably not an eagle. And we said to her, actually, an eagle is quite rare. You don't find eagles round here unless they're in captivity. 
So we said, but if, actually you do get eagles in Scotland. So Bethan, with her typical eight-year-old tenacity, turned around and said, well, fine. When I'm a grown-up, I'm going to Scotland. I'll take a photograph and an email and I'll email it to you. When something's rare, we've got that choice, haven't we? We can either give up or hope that we will never find an eagle because you don't get them around here. They're rare. Or we can dig in. We can show a tenacity of spirit and we can go looking for something which is rare. And I believe that's what God encourages us to do through the life of Samuel. That when we're in the season when the word of God is rare, we dig in, we show tenacity and we go looking for it. So let's look at three lessons from the life of Samuel of what we can do when the word of God is rare. The first thing we notice is that when the word of God is rare, we keep going. Verse 3 tells us, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel lived in the temple, as we were saying earlier, and there was a lamp marking the presence of God. And as Samuel went to sleep, God called him. And this seems to be a significance in the fact that the lamp was still burning. That when they're in this period where the word of God was, was rare. So what was it like going to the temple? And we go in and we try to imagine the worship going on and yet God wasn't there. And it would have been very easy for Eli and Samuel to put the lamp out. For them to decide, you know what, actually God's taken early retirement. Let's just blow the lamp out we're pack up shop and we're go home. We're wasting our time. And if we think that God has given up speaking, speaking to us, we start listening to all sorts of voices, whether it's in the world, in the workplace, through the media, which will shape our lives. We need to be careful what's shaping our lives. We need to allow God to speak into our lives. And if we're allowing other things to speak into our lives, then God stands even less chance of being heard. When the word of God is rare, we need to keep going until God tells us to stop. In a way, it's a bit like a sat-nav. That if you're following your sat-nav to try and get somewhere, you long for the time for the sat-nav to be quiet. Because it means you're going in the right direction. If the sat-nav doesn't speak to you, it doesn't mean it's broken. It doesn't mean it's abandoned you. It's the same with God. When God's not speaking to us, we keep going in the same direction, trusting that God will speak to us when he wants us to change direction. And we read here that while the lamp of God was still burning, Samuel kept going and ministered before the Lord. Think about your own life for a few minutes. Is the lamp of God still burning or have you blown the lamp out? Have you switched off the sat-nav because you think it's broken, because it's not speaking to you? Or are you digging in, trying to find the word of God when it's rare? The second thing we notice is that Samuel kept in the presence of God. In verse 3 it says, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. What we have to remember is this was a time in the history of Israel where they had the Ark of the Covenant with them. It was a physical representation of everything that God had said and done for them in the past. If you like, it was where God was. There was um, 
two angels, I think it was, on top of the ark where the presence of God was felt. That's why the ark was so important to them. And when we come into times of worship, it doesn't really matter what songs we play. It doesn't really matter how good our musicians are. What matters is whether the presence of God is here. And so if we come in and the presence of God isn't here, then why are we here? Samuel lived where the presence of God was. In our relationship with God, it's as if the worship is the romance. That as we come before God in worship and tell God how much we love him, it seems to unlock something in heaven and allows him to speak into our lives. And that's certainly my experience, that as we come together in times of worship or as I'm spending time privately before God, it's in those moments that God starts speaking. That it's as if we need worship just to help us to focus on Jesus and filter out everything that's going around us. We need to come into those times of worship like Samuel sat in the presence of God, expecting God to meet with us. We need to come expecting God to speak to us. We need to take God at his word. In Isaiah, it says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Sounds a bit conditional, doesn't it? It talks about while he may be found, while he is near, suggesting that there will be times when God just draws away slightly. And yet while he's near, we've got to do what we can to seek him. We've got to call on his name. And as we spend time in the presence of God and press into worship, and when the word of God comes, it springs from a reservoir which has been dug deep within us that has been conditioned by months and years, soaking in the word and in the presence of God. It comes from a storehouse of heaven where God has kept it from harm to bring in encouragement and nourishment. Matt Redman puts it like this. Each time we gather together, we don't just journey to a church building, we journey before the very throne of God. To lose sight of this is to lose sight of the majestic in worship. And I found in my own life that one of the best ways to keep that focus on the majestic in worship is to rely on the gift of tongues. That if God has given you that gift, it's something that he wants us to use regularly in our prayer lives. It's how we fine-tune into the airwaves of God and what's going on. That as we start worshipping him and praying in tongues, that the Holy Spirit just meets with us. It becomes our spirit speaking to his. And then as we, as we focus on Jesus and stop focusing on ourselves, we just be still and allow God to speak into our hearts. The third thing we notice is Samuel kept trying. In verse 10 it says, So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. I wonder what's going through Eli's mind through all this process. We've got Eli, who's the high priest, It's his job to represent the people of Israel before God. And in the darkness of the night, as they're they're falling off to sleep, 
the young boy who's been working with him comes running in and says, yeah, you called me. And he goes, no, it wasn't me. Just, just go back to sleep. Stop bothering me. And I wonder what Eli was feeling when it happened for the third time. And I think it's in moments like that that we just get the revelation from God of what's going on in the hearts of people in this story. That God just allows us in his gentle way just to see a little bit into Eli. You can almost see the penny drop and Eli goes, oh yeah, I recognise that voice now. Yeah, I heard it a few years ago. Haven't heard it now though because you know the word of God's rare. Maybe it was God speaking to you. Well, I'm not speaking to you and I doubt you're calling yourself in the middle of the night. So the only logical explanation is maybe it was God. doesn't give you a lot of confidence in him as the high priest, does it? That it took him three times to discern that it was actually God speaking to Samuel. But the benefit of that is that when Samuel and Eli finally recognise that it was God, it just demonstrates God's patience to us so much that when we're learning to hear God's voice, the Bible says in this passage, it's okay to get it wrong. It's okay to take three or more attempts to actually turn around and say, wow, maybe that's God speaking. And maybe in your own experience that you've been in prayer meetings or meetings like this morning and someone just prays or reads out from a Bible passage that you've been studying in that week. Or maybe you've been dwelling over a situation and praying over it and then someone comes up to you and says, right, actually, I was praying for you the other day and I felt God say. It's moments like that that we need to be patient and God will speak through to us. God called Samuel three times before Samuel recognised his voice. And part of that was a training programme for Samuel. He needed to be able to sit and look at his own life and everything that was going on around him to discern the voice of God amongst life's noise. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for us, isn't it? It's to come before God fully aware of that biblical command to be still and know that I am God. And yet the busyness of life takes over. We start thinking about the things we should be buying at the shops. We keep thinking rightfully about the people we should be praying for. We keep doing all the talking. And yet, if we don't have silence when we pray, how can we expect God to speak? It could become a bit like um, walkie-talkies. The way they're designed, one of you has to take your finger off the button. You press the button when you talk, and then you let go to listen. If we're doing all the talking with God... God can be sat there waiting to speak to us, but we're not giving him a chance. We need to learn how to filter out life's noise. As you look at your own life this morning, I wonder where you are. Are you an Eli or are you a Samuel? If you're a Samuel, what are you doing to get around people to help you to grow your gift? If you're keen to move forward when the word of God is rare and you want God to speak to you into your voice, in, you want God's voice to speak into your life more, we've got a choice, haven't we? We can either surround ourselves with people like Eli who turn around and go, oh yeah, actually, you know what, fourth time, I think it might actually be God calling you. Or we can learn to be more like Samuel, 
that we can spend time in the presence of God. We can keep the lamp burning and we can keep trying when God speaks to us. I remember a time when I was in college that I was in a prayer meeting and I felt very strongly that God had given me a prophetic word for someone. And I I can't remember the word now, but I know that at the time I felt very strongly that it was for a lady called Alison. And so I let the worship go on for a bit and tentatively went forward and just said, if there's someone called Alison here today, I think God wants to bless you. Now, I'm not an expert on these things, but I think Alison's a fairly common name. And yet no one in the room was called Alison. And it was one of those moments where I just wanted the floor to open up in front of me or for me to make a quick exit out of the back doors. But when we look at the life of Samuel, it's okay to get it wrong. It's okay to, to say something like, oh, is there someone called Alison here? Maybe there was. I don't know. Maybe Alison was too embarrassed to say that she was there. But it's okay. If I hadn't stepped out in that, and Alison had been there, then she might have missed out on the blessing from God that day. The thing I notice most in this passage is the fact that God uses Samuel's name. Moment of revelation. God calls me Jamie. And yet that's a significant thing for me because um, as I was growing up, all the way through school, I was known as James. It was immediate family and very close friends who called me Jamie. And yet my loving father speaks to me and calls me Jamie. I remember again when I was at college that uh, Jenny and I were praying with someone who, at the time, she was only ever known by a nickname. And I didn't know her real name as we were praying. And we were chatting and we were talking about significant issues and just praying for her. And I just looked at her and said, you know, I think God's saying that he wants you to know that you're a daughter of a king. And he wants you to live like you're a princess. And once the tears had stopped flowing and she tidied herself up, she just looked at me and said, yeah, my real name's Sarah. Sarah means princess. God knows the personal details about our life. God calls us by name. Andrew Wilson puts it like this. God speaks from the third verse of Genesis to the second to last verse of Revelation. If he didn't, there would be no stars, no earth, no Israel, no gospel. But creation dawned with the phrase, God said. Salvation dawned with the phrase, the word became. And speech has been part of his character throughout history. God always has been and still is a speaking God. You see, the main lesson from the life of Samuel is that there are no shortcuts when it comes to learning to hear God's voice. If it took Samuel growing up in the temple with the high priest three times to tentatively turn around and say, speak Lord, then it's okay for us too. But we've got the benefit that we can read ahead in the life of Samuel. We can see how when he woke up the following morning, he shared what God was saying to him, a significant prophetic word for the household of Eli. We can read how he grew in stature and the word of God was with him. And we can read how he became influential in the life of Israel. How he became, on two occasions, he became the reluctant kingmaker. That God used him to set Saul in 
as the king over the nation. And God used him a second time to anoint David as Saul's successor. And yet it all started with a small boy trying to go to sleep in the temple. We don't have that luxury in our own lives. I would love to put the DVD of my life on, fast forward six months, and see what God's going to do. But we can't do that. We have to trust that God continues to speak to us. We have to trust that God's still there for us. All we can do is come before God and like Samuel, humbly pray, speak Lord, your servant is listening. The rest is up to God.